Hello, and welcome to the Kiskea Chapel Sermon Podcast. Kiskea Chapel is an international church in Port-au-Prince, Haiti, where we equip English-speaking believers to expand God's kingdom in our community and beyond. For more information about Kiskea Chapel, you can visit us on our website at kiskeachapel.org. We hope you enjoy this message. As God's Word is the most powerful thing in the entire universe. Are you aware of that? <laughs> we say it sometimes like, oh yeah. It's like, no, it's the most powerful force in the universe. God's Word created everything that exists. He spoke it and it was. His Word. <clears throat> I think I got a picture up here. Jump that first one up there. One more. Are we stuck? Okay, well, it'll come up in a sec. Um, I have four grandkids, and I just, oh, I did it again. Kids, you're dismissed. <laughs> See, they knew what I was thinking, so. There they are. Those are my two oldest grandkids. I just found out this week I'm having number five. <laughs> I'm not really doing anything, but I'll be cheering. <laughs> and we're very excited about it. These are the two oldest boys, Hudson and Boone. And they like to, they like to call me Peepaw because they can't say Papa, or they couldn't when they were little. So it came out Peepaw, and I was like, I like that. Let's go with that. And so they call me Peepaw. So whenever I'm around, they want me to take them to go play video games. Have you seen these like restaurants that all, have all these stand-up video games and you have to put money and money and more money, <laughs> more money? They're little kids. Do you know how long a game lasts if you're not good at it? Two seconds, it's over, it's over. So they're like, they want to be there for like two hours and I'm doing the math thinking, uh, people can't do that. And then I figured something out. I learned how to cheat. <laughs> I found a video game. It's based on, uh, you know, the, the, where you chase dinosaurs, Jurassic Park. So you chase in these Jeeps and you shoot these dinosaurs. And I figured out that I could put the money in and I could secretly play the game and they just thought they were pushing this button to shoot the dinosaurs. So all they do is just push the button, push the button, push the button. It was really me. And I'm not that good, but I could go longer than two seconds. <laughs> so, I, you know, it's a driving game too. So they would just immediately crash into the wall and explode. <laughs> so I could at least keep it down the road and make the game last maybe 30 or 40 seconds. So I figured it out. Now, they don't need to know this. Please do not tell my grandsons this. <laughs> They'll learn when they get older. So you mean we thought we were killing the dinosaurs, Peepaw, but you were killing the dinosaurs? I'll be like, that is correct, boys. I am the dinosaur killer. <laughs> and they'll go, hmm, I don't know if I believe that or not. Have you ever done something that you thought it was all up to you? And then later on you found out somebody else was pushing the buttons. You didn't have much to do with it at all. <laughs> you just thought you did. Well, that's really what Jesus is talking about here. We're going to look at Mark chapter 4, which is one of the 
chapters we've studied this past week, if you've been following along. And in Mark chapter 4, Jesus tells three different stories about seeds. Did you notice that? Uh, By the way, as you're studying, and one of the things you need to look for is repetition. When you see something multiple times, usually it means they're trying to get across the point. And so three separate stories here. Jesus talks about seeds in Mark chapter 4. There's the parable of the sower, which we're going to focus on this morning. There's the story of the seed growing secretly at night even when you sleep. And then there's the story of the tiniest seed, a mustard seed, which turns into a gigantic tree. So it's like Jesus' topic here is seed. We're going to talk about seed. Now, I read a report from farmers in America, kind of the middle of our farming is a state called Iowa. That's where most of the corn is grown. And a lot of the wheat. And uh, somebody did a research, and they said, so when they get a bumper crop, a great crop, what percentage of that is due to an outstanding farmer? In other words, how much of that is really because you have a, a gifted or skilled farmer? And the conclusion of the report, over 10 years, they concluded 5%. That's all. It really had more to do with how much rain, how much sun, the quality of the seed, what the soil was like. You could take pretty much any farmer with low skills and put them in the right situation and you'd get an outstanding crop. I think this is a pretty good picture because most of us, we think that spiritual growth and what happens in the world is really up to us. But it's probably a little closer to that study, maybe 5%. It's not that we have no impact, but our impact is very small, but we like to think it's really big. Kind of like my grandkids, they like to think they're the ones shooting the dinosaurs. It's up to them. Well, it's interesting because this whole chapter, you might even notice here, uh, jump to the next slide. In verse 33 and 34, it tells us that Jesus taught them all the time in parables. He always taught in stories. In fact, it suggests that Jesus never taught publicly unless he told stories, parables. (laughs) And in some irony, the disciples, Jesus tells a story about how some people don't get it, and the disciples say to him, hey, could we talk to you? We don't get it. (laughs) It's like, oh my. So he tells them, why does he use stories? Why doesn't Jesus just say plainly what he wants to say? Why does he tell stories about seeds and farmers and birds and rocks and soil? Take a look here at verse 11 and 12 earlier in the chapter. He replied to them, you, he's speaking to his disciples, you're permitted to understand the secret of the kingdom. But I use parables for everything I say to outsiders so that the scriptures might be fulfilled. When they see what I do, they will learn nothing. In other words, Jesus tells them, I use parables not so that everyone will understand better, 
but like a password. If you don't get it, you don't get the secret. If you don't get the parable, then you'll get nothing. You'll go, yeah, I heard Jesus speak today. He just told some weird stories about farmers. I don't know what it meant. Jesus says that's intentional. I'm locking some people out and I'm letting other people in. I speak in parables because parables are kind of hidden. And because they're hidden, only people who really want to understand the meaning get it. That's why churches can be filled with people who don't get it. They hear it all the time. I hear people, I've always heard people say to me, oh, you know, I already know all this stuff. I've been going to church since I was a little kid. It's like, (laughs) Jesus says, there are a whole lot of people who know a whole lot of Bible stories, but they don't get it. They don't get it. It's like the the seed bounces off them. (laughs) They get a lot of seed. None of it penetrates their lives. Maybe you're in that situation here this morning. You're like, oh yeah, I've been to church. I know the Bible. I know these things. By the way, uh, Jesus' brother James at one point says, really? You, You know all these things in the Bible? So does Satan. So does Satan. That doesn't mean that you're a doer of the word. It just means you've heard a lot of word. I'm telling you, I'm an American. If, if all it took to produce maturity was hearing a lot of words and books and sermons, Americans would be the most spiritually mature people who've ever lived, by far. But they're not. So Jesus tells the story to say, Only certain kinds of listeners get it. His teachings are like secrets about the kingdom of God. And not everybody gets it. Um, There are many words we could use for, so what's the key? I'm going to use the word attentive. Attentive. Uh, In fact, some of the words Jesus uses here could be translated, pay attention. You can't just get this because you heard it. You have to like pay attention. You have to be an attentive listener. Not everyone who hears God's word understands it. It requires attentiveness. Let me me show you a couple of passages. Proverbs chapter 2. Probably Solomon speaking to his son. He says to him, son, look, you, you, you can't just get this stuff because you heard it. You went to Sunday school. You sat in church. You got to tune your ears in. You got to cry aloud in the streets. You got to dig for it like hidden treasure. If you don't do those things, do not expect that you will get wisdom. And this is one of the big mistakes of many people in church. They think they can show up to church and me or whatever sowers up here, we can just pelt you with a bunch of seed and you'll get more spiritual. It's not up to me. Thank goodness. It's not up to me. The question is can the seed find a crack to get into your heart? 
to get into your life. Again, later on, a few chapters later in the Proverbs, it says, children, pay attention when your father corrects you. Be attentive. Every parent understands this. You tell your kids a thousand times not to do something. Did they hear it? Yeah, they heard it. But they didn't hear it, did they? It didn't enter into them. They didn't pay attention. And that's what Jesus is talking about here in this story. Not everybody who hears, hears. Right? (laughs) We've all got ears. I'm sure that's what the disciples thought when Jesus said this thing. Who has ears to hear, let him hear. Did you notice, by the way, how many times that was used in this chapter? In this chapter, two separate times, Jesus stops and says, to him who has ears to hear, let him hear. It's used seven times in the Gospels, uh, 15 times in the New Testament. Because one of the things they got from Jesus is, uh, just hearing what he has to say doesn't do much. You have to hear it with your heart. You have to be attentive as a listener, or it doesn't do anything, nothing. I'm sure the disciples thought, well, what are you talking about, Jesus? Everybody's got ears, or almost everybody. This parable, if I could give you a simple summary, Jesus is saying, not all ears are the same. Not all ears are the same. Which brings us to one of Jesus' most famous stories. We call it the parable of the sower. And it's funny. It's one of the ones that people, even if they haven't been to church much, they go, oh, yeah, 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 I know that one. Isn't that funny? Jesus' most popular parable is a story about some people who hear but don't get it. (laughs) They go, yeah, I've heard that. You're like, okay, but did you get it? That's the whole point. Well, this character, uh, this story has six characters to it. There's a farmer, a sower. There's some seed, and then there's four different types of hearers. And we're going to briefly talk about those four types of hearers. I think I have them listed up here. The first is hard-packed, shallow, distracted, and attentive hearers. And Jesus describes the difference between different people's ears. He's like, "Eh, I know you all heard what I'm saying today, but I'm going to describe to you what kind of ears you need to have if it's going to make a difference in your life. By the way, this is why, when I, I, when I first became a Christian, you know what one of the real questions deep in my heart was? How come people who become Christians, some of them really, really change? But many of them, they don't seem to change at all. They just kind of put the name Jesus on everything. Do you know people like this? They claim to know Jesus, but you go like, I, I wonder. Now, thank goodness, I'm not the person in charge of knowing. <laughs> thank God for that. But it has always bothered me. Why do some people receive the gospel and it leads to massive transformation in their life? And some people receive the gospel and I'm like, <laughs> I don't know. I don't see much. 
Jesus says some of that has to do with their ears. They're not all the same. Okay, so before I jump into the four seeds, I want to make sure you get the main point of what Jesus is saying here. It's really, really, really easy to miss this. Here's the point. The power is not in the sower. The power is not in the soil. Where's the power? It's in the seed. It's in the seed. Now, I know, because I'm guilty of it, many of us in church, we think, oh, I need to hear from a really good sower. I need a magnificent preacher who like throw backhand and triple flips, throw it over here, you know, no look throw. No, you don't. You can hear God's word from the most boring person that's ever spoken, and it still has the power to explode your life. As long as you continue to believe that you didn't get anything because you didn't like the sower, you probably won't get anything. In fact, uh, after many years in church, I had an older man say to me, do you want to start learning to grow? Spiritually, I was complaining about the guy who was preaching at the church that I was at, like, yeah, I don't get that much out of it. This older man looked at me and he said, okay, you need to stop. That's very immature. I thought, what? He says, do you really think the power is in the sower? Power's in the seed. So he found the most boring church I think has ever been created. And he told me, you need to start attending there. They're, they have an early morning service before your church starts. Go and learn to listen to the power of the seed. It doesn't matter how he throws it. It's okay. He's not a particularly skilled communicator. But the power is not in the communicator. The power is in the seed. Over the years, since I'm a communicator, you know, I, I would hear people all the time, they would come to my church from another church and they'd say, yeah, I just didn't get anything out of it. And I'd ask, so did that preacher, did he preach God's word? Oh yeah, very faithfully. I go, well then the problem's with you, not with the preacher. He had the right seed is what you're telling me, yeah. I go, so the problem's with your soil. It's not because you didn't have a clever enough or funny enough or powerful enough sower. The ground doesn't care how the farmer throws it. Throw it however you want. Just get it there. We like to think it matters. That's one of the reasons we are really committed to this AIM journal stuff we're doing, because I want you to learn the power of God's word apart from some stupid farmer like me up here throwing it at you. Maturity comes when you finally put away the childish thought that you need to be entertained. And you start going, no, 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 I need to get God's word in my heart, and it will explode all by itself. You will stop that kind of complaining about church 
as though it's up to church. It's not up to church. Maybe 5%. It's up to you. You get the seed of God's Word in your life, and I promise you, it will have its intended results. It is that powerful. By the way, I don't know if I showed it yet here. Go to the next slide. It might be on that one. No, not yet. You'll see it in a minute. <laughs> i got a picture. You've seen these pictures before where there's giant slab of concrete on a road and a tiny little seed has busted through the concrete. You go, how did that tiny little seed blow a hole in two foot of concrete? Well, even more so, God's Word, the book of Hebrews says, it's living like a seed. It's sharper than a two-edged sword. In fact, he goes on to kind of a gross thing. He says, it can cut through bone right through it. God's seed has no problem busting through your life. The question is, will you let it in? Again, that's why we're so committed to you learning to read the Scriptures for yourself. You know what? I guess maybe it's because I'm getting older. I'm okay if after however long God gives me here, people go like, yeah, he wasn't very good. But I learned a lot about God's Word. I go, okay, I'll take that deal. <laughs> that's a great deal. Because that's my job. Not to throw it fancy. It's to make sure the seed finds a crack in our hearts. That's the job. Okay, so here's the quote. A.W. Tozer, one of my favorite authors, he says, when considering a pastor, the average church asks, is this man worthy to speak to us? I suppose it's a valid question, but there's another one more in keeping with the circumstances, and that is, are we worthy to hear this man? An attitude of humility on the part of the hearers would secure for them a great deal more light from whatever size candle the Lord might be pleased to send them. When a man or a woman becomes worthy to hear, God sometimes talks to them through very unworthy media. God will speak to the hearts of those who prepare themselves to hear, and conversely, those who do not so prepare themselves will hear nothing, even though the Word of God falls on their outer ears every Sunday. I remember as a young Christian reading that quote and going, oh no. <laughs> I wanted to blame the church, the preacher. And now I realize, no, God's Word says it's up to me. Doesn't mean they have zero impact. If someone were to ask me, would you rather go hear that really boring teacher or someone that could make it come alive? That's not a hard decision. Just don't overestimate the power of the farmer. It's not near as big as you think it is. God's Word is the star in this show. And it will have its impact if you let it into your life. Even if you attend the most boring church in history. So Jesus says, you need a marginally competent farmer. By the way, there is one thing the farmer does have to do. He has to get the right seed. 
Okay, some people go to churches where the farmer's not sowing the seed of the Word of God, and I go, don't expect a lot of growth there. He may be really funny, he may be clever, he may be powerful. She might have an amazing ability to communicate, but unless it's the right seed, it's not going to have the impact you want. All right, so let's look at chapter 4, verse 26 through 28. Jesus said, the kingdom of God is like a farmer who scatters seed on the ground night and day while he's asleep or awake, the seed sprouts and grows. Look at this phrase. He doesn't understand how it works. I don't know how many of you have gotten in this, but there are are groups of Christians out there who stake their whole reputation on explaining how it works. All right, this is the way it works. God calls and then we respond. Sometimes they even give them labels, Calvinists, Arminians. I'm like, did you not read this verse? The guy doesn't know how it works. He throws the seed in the ground and he goes, wow, look at that. It even grew while I was asleep. It grows on its own. It doesn't really need me that much. The earth produces the crop on its own. Again, that doesn't mean that you and I don't have anything to do with it. It just means we really overestimate how much we have to do with it. The power is in the word. I don't know how it happens. If somebody asks me one of those questions, I, I am getting to the point where I don't have a problem trying to pretend I'm an intellectual. Let me break down to you how this works. (laughs) I'm getting okay with the fact that I go, I don't know. I don't know how it works. All I know is that when the seed of God's word gets in a person's life, it produces an abundant crop. I don't know how it works. And it even does it even when I'm not paying attention to it. God has often proven this to me. I've had individuals, I I remember leading a a men's Bible study, and I had certain men that I thought, oh, they're really sharp, they're really going to do well. And I had another guy that I'd never taught, I thought, oh, that's a waste of time. Well, here we are many years later. Guess who's the most fruitful, effective leader of that group? The guy I didn't give any attention to. The seed grows all by itself. I don't know what happened. All I know is today he'll stand up and he'll say, I became a Christian because Mac led me to Jesus. And I'm like, oh, (laughs) if you knew what was going on in my head at the time, you would not say that. Because I was thinking, that guy's a loser. Don't invest in him. (laughs) It's like, okay, the seed produces on its own. It's not up to me. Wow, that's a relief, actually. Okay, well, let's take a look, and I I hope I won't spend too much time on this here. I want to take a look at the four seeds here. So jump to the next slide. First seed, Jesus says, is like a seed that goes on a hard-packed path. Uh, I've seen these certainly out in Fond du Blanc. Uh, They go in between the fields. It's the only place you can walk without trampling your neighbor's crops, and so they are hard-packed. I mean, it's like, it's dirt, but it's like concrete. 
And Jesus says, some people's hearts are like that. They're just hard packed. So you can throw all the seed you want at them. Nothing will grow because it can't find a way into the soil. Just lies there on top and Jesus says, turns into a lunch counter for the birds. The birds just sit around and wait for that seed. Great, lunch, lunch is served. (laughs) Well, Jesus says there are some people whose hearts are packed that way. I know this is a hard word for some of us here this morning because some of us serve in ministry. This, in my opinion, is the most common issue with people who are doing ministry. They start thinking, well, I know all this stuff. I'm doing all this stuff. All of a sudden, God's word can't find a crack in their hearts. It's like, no, I already know that. This is me. I find there are times in my life that I use my knowledge. I know a whole lot about the Bible, but it's like, God is not that interested whether I can win a contest on the Bible. (laughs) He wants to know, will I do these things? Not do I know these things? And I hide sometimes behind, oh, well, I know all this stuff, and maybe some of you do too. Maybe right now you haven't seen a lot of growth in your spiritual life. One of the things you ought to ask yourself is, have I become hard-hearted where I can no longer receive God's word in my life? It just bounces right off because I think I already know it. I'm sorry, I'm guilty. There are times in my life I think, who are you trying to convince you know so much? Who is it you're trying to impress? Sure not God. Jesus was very clear. He said, if you guys know so much, why don't you do what I say? (laughs) In fact, Jesus had a problem with one group of people. Do you know who he really struggled with when he walked this earth? The Bible scholars. He didn't like those guys. (laughs) He said things to them like, you guys think that you're saved because you know all this stuff, but did you know all this stuff was speaking of me? And you didn't get it, did you? Boom, bounced right off you. You knew everything about the Old Testament, and yet the whole Old Testament was pointing to me, and you didn't recognize me. I think there will be many of us who will be shocked, will think, oh, Lord, I, I served in an orphanage. Oh, Lord, I was a preacher. Oh, Lord, I was an evangelist. I worked for a, a feeding ministry. And in Matthew 7, Jesus says, oh, okay, well, depart from me. I, I never knew you. I know you did a bunch of decent stuff, but, but I don't know you. <laughs> you never let me in. That's the first kind of soil. The second one, second kind of here, here, is shallow soil. Now, I've I've read about this, and I've been to Israel a couple of times, so I've even seen it. The way soil is in Israel is it's very, very shallow, and then there's like a slab of rock, limestone slab. So there's only about two to three inches of topsoil in most places. And then there's the slab. And uh, I had an Israeli farmer say to me, yeah, it's a problem because actually our crops come up much faster than anybody else's. Because that rock underneath 
heats it up like a microwave. They get great results. They go, however, by the end of June, when it really starts getting hot, it all dies. Unless we can figure out how to deepen the roots. Again, I had an older man say to me once, hey, what's going on in your above ground spiritual life right now is a reflection of how deep the roots underground are that nobody sees. I go, oh, darn it. <laughs> oh, no. So I got to get back to work on my root system? <laughs> okay. He's like, yeah. You can't, a, a tree will not grow any taller than the depth of its root system allows. In fact, uh, in a hurricane, some of you have seen, you've seen gigantic trees ripped out of the ground and uprooted because the roots weren't deep enough to hold them in the ground. And you go, yeah, they didn't have enough going on underground to keep what's going on above ground going. Is that you? Again, part of the reason we want you to start reading God's Word for yourself is because it's all about developing the root system. Or as Jesus puts it, hey, when you give, when you do your disciplines, do them in secret underground where God rewards in secret. But most of us, we try and live our spiritual life about, oh, how's it look up here? How's it looking up here? If you don't develop that underground root system, if all you do is go to church and let some knucklehead like me throw seed at you, I predict you won't have a very tall tree. No root system. No root system. That's one of the reasons, again, if you're not doing this yet, I don't care whether you do the book or not. What I care about is that as a community, we start encouraging one another in what Jesus has told us is the truth. And that is, God's word is powerful. And if we can get it into one another's lives, we will see growth and maturity. So let's, let's do that. Again, if you need help on that, hopefully one of us would love to help you. All right, seed number three, third kind of here, distracted. Jesus says sometimes the seed gets going and it looks like the plant's doing fine, and then there are weeds and thorns and they start wrapping themselves around. Again, in Israel I have seen this. There's a certain kind of weed, thorn, that when a crop comes up like wheat comes up, it starts wrapping itself around the plant. Do you know what it's doing? It's stealing all the nutrients from the plant. So the thorn thrives and the plant dies. Jesus says a lot of hearers are like that. It gets crowded out. And maybe that's you. You let God's word come into your life, but then the rest of the week it just starts getting crowded out by all this other stuff. Maybe even good stuff. Maybe it's work, family. Education. Jesus is not opposed to those, but he does say in Matthew 6, no, no, you have to seek first my kingdom, then these things, they can be okay. But if you let them flip and crowd out the seed of God's word, whatever's going on in your life will get choked to death. And you'll go, what happened? 
what happened? Great quote by an old writer named Charles Hummel. I think I've got it up here. Don't let the urgent take place of the important in your life. Oh, the urgent will really fight, claw, and scream for attention. It will plead for time and even make us think we've done the right thing by calming its nerves. But the tragedy of it all is this. While you and I were putting out the fires of the urgent and everyday affair, the more important was again left in a holding pattern. And interestingly, the important is neither noisy nor demanding. Unlike the urgent, it patiently and quietly waits for us to realize its significance. Abiding in Christ on a daily basis, this is the important thing. And Jesus says, if you're not careful, it gets crowded out by the urgent thorns. And you start going, oh, yeah, I don't have time for that today. And Humble says, you know, this is the problem. You're going to let the urgent stuff thorn out the fruitful stuff in your life. Even though intellectually you get it, you think, well, I'll get back to it tomorrow. This is where we all live, isn't it? Okay, so let's go on to the last seed. Jesus says the fourth hearer is the attentive hearer, the good soil. The seed of God's word actually gets into their life. Doesn't mean there aren't any weeds. Doesn't mean there aren't rocks but it finds its way into the soil, it penetrates. And look at verse eight. Uh, go, go back one, that was the right one. When it does, it produces a crop that was 30, 60, sometimes 100 fold. Now I didn't know what that meant because I'm not a farmer. So I went and did a little research. I found that the average yield for a crop in the Middle East today is tenfold. A good crop is 30-fold. A really good crop is 60-fold. And they have occasionally records of people that got 100-fold. Can you imagine that? By the way, if this is puzzling to you, go find most fruit. Go find yourself an apple and cut it open. How many seeds are in it? 10, 12? You know how many trees it can produce over 50 years? Mathematicians that take it and say like, yes, we cut this open, we plant those seeds, then we get five more seeds. We put, plant those and then we get more and more and more. They would say that in 50 years, it has the potential to do a billion trees from the original apple. <laughs> how does that work? Well, Jesus already told us, I don't know how it works, but it does. Same thing's true, spiritually. I don't know how it works, but a small investment of the seed of God's word in our life can produce a crop way beyond what we might expect, what it would even be reasonable to expect. Now the sad thing is, this last kind of seed, I hope this is not as true here in Haiti, but I fear it is. In America, there are a lot of people say, see, you can get rich 30 times as much, 60 times as much, 100 times as much. Even though there's, it doesn't say anything like that in the passage. 
Jesus is talking here. Hey guys, let me tell you the formula for how you can get rich. Sometimes there are false teachers out there who are saying, oh, if you'll give us one seed of a dollar, then God will return it a hundredfold in your life. Here's what I believe. God will return blessing a hundredfold, but only occasionally is that financial. It's usually not financial. In fact, many times, blessing somebody a hundredfold financially would be one of the worst curses they could possibly do. I have three sons. Do you think that I go, hey, if you'll clean your room, I will give you $10,000. Do you think that'd be good for them? be a horrible thing for them. They'd probably never work another day in their life. They're like, nah, I cleaned my room. I got 10,000 for it. (laughs) So I'm like, no, no, no. Jesus is clearly talking about the seed of the word of God will produce a blessing in you. It could be all kinds of different blessings. It could be in an area of character. It could be in, in ministry fruit. It could be, it's possible that it's in finances. But you'd be a fool to count on that because that's not the promise. In fact, Scripture is pretty clear. Galatians chapter 6, jump to that next slide, says, look, don't be misled. God can't be mocked. Whatever you sow, you're going to reap. It's like, no, stop this. In fact, he goes on to say, those who live to please the Spirit will harvest everlasting life. But if you're sowing, so you go like, yep. This is how I'm going to get money. It's like, okay, did you not read the rest of God's word and its warnings about the danger of money? You would would be foolish to think that. Look look at the next verse. First Timothy, Paul's like, okay, are you guys unclear? Godliness is just a way to become wealthy. There were people teaching that even in his day. And Paul says, yeah, godliness with contentment is great wealth. We brought nothing into the world. We're not going to take anything. So if we have food and clothing, be content. But people who long to be rich fall into temptation and a trap. So don't be fooled in the parable of the sower here into thinking that Jesus is saying, yes, if you'll give a little bit of money, God will pour a bunch of money on you. No. He's not talking about giving a little money. He's talking about letting the Word of God into your life. It will produce these enormous blessings way beyond what you might expect. Way beyond. Okay, so let's conclude here. What's the bottom line? The bottom line is the seed of God's Word is stunningly potent. Many people do not get this. They don't understand how powerful God's Word is. Even though He tells us over and over and over again in Scripture, we still act like it's not that powerful. Well, Jesus is here saying, no, no, if it can find a crack in your life, it'll produce 30 times, 60 times, 100-fold what was sown. And guess what? It grows all by itself. I don't even know how it works. It's not up to me. So this morning, the question is real simple. Are you the kind of person who has a crack in your life for God's word to find its way in? 
Are you the right kind to hear? Because there's nothing wrong with the seed. And if I'm the sower or somebody else is the sower, well, maybe we're responsible for 5%. But it's primarily up to you. Will you open your life and allow God's Word to get sown into your heart? Will you have, as Jesus puts it, ears to hear? We hope this message was helpful for you. If you're in Haiti, join us on Sunday mornings where English speakers from all backgrounds, missionaries, diplomats, Haitians, expats, come together to worship, to connect, and to have fellowship with one another. You can find more information about our location, our service times, and our Sunday school program for all ages at our website at kiskeachapel.org. Or shoot us an email at chapelq at gmail.com. That's chapelq at gmail.com. Thanks for listening. I pray, Father, that people this morning would be honest before you. They would not pretend that they've never been those kinds of hearers, that kind of soil. They could honestly look at their life and ask, is the Word of God finding its way into my life? Help us with this in Jesus' powerful name. Amen.